Okay, today is May 15th, 2022. We're in lesson 11 on the moral responsibility demanded as we continue to look at Ezekiel. And we began Ezekiel last Sunday, but we didn't meet because it being Mother's Day and we had our breakfast for the moms instead of having life classes. So uh, we're, we didn't get to talk too much about that one, but uh, we'll, we'll mention it some here because it's the introduction to Ezekiel. <laughs> but we have taken prayer requests, so I'm going to ask Brother Mickey if he'd go ahead and lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day that you've blessed us with. Another day and another opportunity, O oh God, to come to your house, to worship you in spirit and truth, to hear your word profound, Lord, and seek your will for our lives each and every day. Father, today we have many needs within the body. Lord, we continue to lift up Lina. Heavenly Father, and we ask your hand to reach down and touch her. Fill her home there, Heavenly Father, with your presence and your anointed touch, O oh God, through her body. Lord, give her strength and flexibility in her body. Lord, we ask it in your name. Lift up Rebecca, Heavenly Father. Ask you to continue to touch her, Lord. Minister unto her, Heavenly Father. We're thankful for the Carl, Heavenly Father, but Lord, we know that it's in need of some work. We pray, Heavenly Father, that that will be done through the power and the presence. And we pray for this child, O oh God, that is going into surgery. Heavenly Father, we ask your hand to rest upon the doctors and anoint them and guide them, Heavenly Father, in the situation of what needs to be done. The healing process, O oh God, flows through your body. Lord, and heal him, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask it, Father. Lord, we lift up Alice and uh, Dennis to you today. Thank you for the healing in Dennis. Thank you for the new strength in his body, Heavenly Father. We ask you to continue to touch, ministering to him, Heavenly Father, lifting and undergirding, guiding and directing, Heavenly Father, in his life. And in, touch uh, Alice, Lord, and give her strength as she endeavors to be the best wife and comforter that there can be. Father, we ask you to continue to be with uh, Ukraine. Lord, we know the devastation. Lord, and the, the people that have been lost, Heavenly Father. Lord, the hiding places that they seek to go to and, and continue to live. The food that needs to be there to supply them the need. Father, you have said in your word that you are the provider, that you are the healer, that you are the strengthener, and you are the one that goes with us and through us through all the battles and through all the triumphs. We also ask you to uh, be with Russia, Heavenly Father. We realize, Heavenly Father, that there are relationships, fighting against relationships in these two countries. Father, we ask your hand to rest upon these men, Heavenly Father, that are the leaders and the ones that are guiding and directing them. Father, we ask just your hand to reach down and touch them. Strengthen them, O oh God, Lord, and minister to them. Heavenly Father, if it takes a Damascus Road experience for Putin, Lord, we ask it to, to knock him down off his horse and he would come to the realization that you are the God. You are the way, you're the truth, and you are the life. And you are the strength that he needs to accomplish the, that that you have set before him. Father, we just thank you for the day. Ask your blessings upon this lesson, Heavenly Father, in thy name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Like I said, last week was Mother's Day, and my brother reminded me of a poem I wrote seven years ago about my mom, and so I'll share that with you first. 
Uh, it's called Ode to My Mother. Uh, on May 8, 1907, my mom first became a living soul, and her parents named her Alice E. Cole. About 13 years later, she was born again when she asked Jesus to forgive her of sin. At 24, she met John Clemenson in Norway, and then two years later, they had their wedding day. God blessed them with four children, of which I am one. John Reuben, Jimmy, and Mary Alice came before I begun. At around three, Jimmy died of leukemia when he was very young, so he went to be with Jesus before Mary Alice and I came along. Daddy joined him in heaven when I was about 10, and about five years later, our mother joined them again. We were blessed to have such a great dad and mother that taught us to love the Lord above any other. They taught us by living a spirit-led life before us and to always put our trust and faith in Jesus. For six years, we were missionaries to American Indians in New, York, New Mexico. Daddy played the violin, mother taught and played the piano, Reuben entertained the Indians with his gospel magic tricks. Mary Alice sang for them and we passed out candy licks. Mother loved to minister to children and adults too. She had faith in Jesus and believed the Bible is true. She was an anointed Pentecostal preacher and a very good Bible student and teacher. Age two. Uh, she enjoyed playing Chinese checkers and other games and taught us about biblical people and their names. She wrote many inspiring poems and sometimes a song, and she was faithful to teach us kids right from wrong. At the age of 54, cancer took her from us, but soon we all will be together forever and with Jesus. So on this Mother's Day, I wish to honor my sainted mother, and I'm sure I speak also for my older sister and brother. <laughs> so, that was uh, my brother. I was about uh, 10, not quite 10. And then I was about uh, 15 when my mother passed, because she hardly ever got over that, you know, because our dad was very healthy as far as not hardly sick a day in his life, you know, and he just had a heart attack and went on to be with the Lord. Yes, yeah. My brother mainly, yeah. My brother had to step in and be dead, yeah. And then my sister also helped with some motherly things when she got older, you know. She she learned how to cook. And, yeah, for a while until I went off to college. At, and, uh, but anyway, uh, the Lord's been with us, and uh, I thank God for the background that he, is, that he gave me with a spirit-filled dad and mom before I was born. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, last Sunday we were introduced to uh, Ezekiel, and... Um, we found out his calling there, and he was told to um, 
eat this scroll. We passed out a, a paper a while ago about papyrus, how it's made, because that's what the scrolls were made of back then. And uh, it's quite a process, as you can read about there, that it took, took a while to make those sheets of uh, papyrus. And uh, they, um, they, they would get brittle after a while, and so we don't have all the original manuscripts because of that. But uh, we did have scribes, though, that would copy very closely the original manuscripts and, uh, and copy it so that it would be preserved. And um, so anyway, when they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, that's what they found, these papyrus, some, the papyrus scrolls that way that were preserved in a dark cave there at, near the Dead Sea. And um, so um, God pre preserves his word. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass. Amen. And uh, so anyway, uh, Ezekiel has these visions, and, and he's, one, he's a prophet that had more visions than anyone else that we know of uh, that he recorded anyway. And uh, so the Lord spoke to him through a lot of visions. And one of the first visions he had was of seeing the throne of God coming down uh, or coming around uh, his area there on, on wheels. The wheels were holding up the throne of God. And this was vision because, of course, his throne was still in heaven, but he was seeing this in a vision to encourage him and the exiles because Ezekiel was taken into captivity where Jeremiah stayed there in Jerusalem, but they were contemporary of each other. They, they both lived about the same time. But so Ezekiel ministers to those that were taken into captivity there in Babylon whereas Jeremiah was warning the people before the captivity of repenting and turning to God or else they would go into captivity and, and would serve Babylon. So anyway, we find that uh, this vision would help comfort not only Ezekiel, but the, the rexiles, the, the rexiles, the exiles, that uh, were there all the way in Babylon, a long ways from where the temple was in Jerusalem before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it, of course. But God was showing him God is everywhere, you know. His, his wheels can go anywhere he wants, and, and so he was there with the people there in exile as well as the people that were in Jerusalem. And uh, so when... Uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Ezekiel in his calling um, in the third chapter there in Ezekiel. It said that uh, he said unto me, Son of man, eat what you find. And he saw this roll that was made of papyrus, of course, the scroll is what it was. Eat this roll, and then go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me 
to eat that roll. And he said, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat. Fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. So I did eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And uh, so this symbolized the word of God and how God was putting the word into Ezekiel where he would speak forth God's word. And um, it's interesting that he said it it would be sweet as honey because his word is sweet as honey. And uh, the psalmist said, there's honey in the rock, my brother. (laughs) Amen. We have a song that says that, that we sing sometimes. And uh, because his word is sweet, but it's also in his belly sometimes as bitter because it would be a bitter prophecy that he would have to give telling the people that, that uh, they needed to repent and turn back to God. And so we're going to be looking at that more today, also in the third chapter, in verses 16 through 27, which we have a, a warning of impending doom that he mentions. Uh, the key verse is Ezekiel 18:32, which states, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth or the death of the wicked, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live is what the NLT mentions. Uh, the central truth is followers of Jesus Christ are responsible to walk in holiness. If we're going to follow the Lord, We have to follow him in the pathway of holiness. The psalmist said, Thou leadest me in the path of righteousness for thy name's sake. And so uh, the enemy will try to get us off that path of righteousness. And if we do get off, we need to get back on. (laughs) And uh, I read a book a long time ago called The Calvary Road, and, and it talked about that also, how that we can get off that Calvary road if we're not careful, and uh, the enemy will try to get us off, just like, of course, it's a fiction, The Wizard of Oz, where they had to keep on that yellow brick road, but if they got off of that road, they ran into a lot of trouble, and we will too if we get off the pathway that the Lord has laid out for us in the pathway of righteousness. So we'll begin with the scripture here, and it... Uh, it's about 10 verses there, Ezekiel 3, 16 through 27. I guess we'll let Sherry begin for us. All right. 3, 16 through 27. So at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in, in order to save their lives, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, 
and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sin. The righteous things that person did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the righteous person not to sin, and they do not sin, they will surely live because they took warning, and you will have saved yourself. The hand of the Lord was on me there, and he said to me, Get up and go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory I had seen by the Kibar River, and I fell face down. And then the Spirit came unto me and raised me to my feet, and he spoke to me, and he said, Go shut yourself inside your house, and you, son of man, they will tie with ropes, and you will be bound so that you cannot go out among the people. And I will make you, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious people. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says Whoever will listen, let them listen. And whoever will refuse, let them refuse, for they are a rebellious people. Amen. So we see that he uses that phrase watchman. I have made you a watchman because a watchman would stand upon the tower and he would be able to look out and see when an enemy is coming that way or, or uh, some kind of force of an army or something, you know, that was against them. And, and so he said, if you see the enemy coming like that, then as a watchman, it's your duty to warn those in the city, you better be prepared, the enemy is coming, you know. And because uh, if he doesn't warn them, the enemy's going to come and destroy them. And, and he said, but I'll require their blood upon your hands if you do not warn them of the enemy approaching. Because... We are also made watchmen of uh, realizing what is happening in our world. Uh, my, my brother reminded me last night that my mother wrote a poem in 1928 called Watchman, What of the Night? And as I mentioned in my poem to my mom, she was a poet, and I probably was able to inherit some of her poetry ability. But anyway, this is what she wrote in 1928 when she was only about 20 years old. Uh, oh, watchman, watchman, what of the night? It is almost gone, and dawn is in sight. But oh, for the souls out into the night, which are groping around for the light. Yes, it is true. Many are in the field of sin. Oh, watchman, watchmen, go out. And bring them in. Then the second or the last stanza, Jesus is calling us all. Oh, comrades, heed his call, please. Please heed his call. Don't you hear him pleading with you to go out as witnesses true? Tell others what Jesus has done, 
how he your life and love has won. So that's what my mom wrote when she was about 20, since she was born in 1907. <coughs> so anyway, um, it is true that we need to realize that he has made us watchmen and that we, we need to warn those that are heading for destruction. And uh, so uh, it's an interesting uh, verses that she read there of how that uh, if you don't warn, then their blood will be upon your hands. Well, we need to realize that this is written under the law because uh, under the law, you either lived by the law or you died by the law. And, and so it, uh, I don't think, you know, you'll lose your salvation if you don't warn somebody, but they can lose their salvation or not have salvation if you don't warn them. And uh, so it is serious, but you have to obey the Spirit of God. when Because remember, it was the Spirit that led uh, Ezekiel and these prophets to say what they said. Because if they tried to say what they wanted to say, God just caused his tongue to cleave to the roof of his mouth. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's dangerous to just say what you want to say. You need to be sure you're saying what the Lord would have you to say. And that in a spirit of meekness and also of love, you warn people. <coughs> you don't just walk up to someone and say, you're going to hell. You know, and they'll say, well, you are too. You know, they'll, <laughs> that doesn't reach them. But you need to let them know that. Jesus loved them so much that he died on the cross for them and, and, and they don't need to go to hell because he has made a way. But hell is real. And uh, so we, we need to not take it for granted, you know, that, it, that if a person lives a good life, he's going to go to heaven. Jesus said, only through him. Without Jesus, you won't make heaven. He said, I am the way not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. So anyway, uh, so he talked about that and how that if, if a wicked person heeds that warning and repents and turns to God, God will forget all the wicked things that he had done. And, and that's true under grace as well, you know, because we don't have a past. We just have a present and future as children of God. And uh, no matter what we have done in the past, he can forgive it and not remember it anymore. I heard some preacher, it might have been Perry Stone, saying that <coughs> those that are prophets of God today and so forth, he will not show any of his prophets what has been put under the blood. They won't be able to reveal what has happened that is under the blood. So thank God for that. But then he said, on the other hand, <coughs> if a righteous person turns back into sin and uh, he uh, rebels against God, he said, I won't remember any of their righteous deeds that they have done. 
And uh, so that's a strict warning, definitely, against backsliding. And under grace, Hebrews 6 still warns it's better to not know the way than after knowing the way, if you turn away from that, then uh, there remains no more sacrifice for you. Because if people will turn away from the cross and not believe in the cross anymore, that's the only sacrifice that would save them. And so if they turn away from the cross, there remains no other sacrifice for them. So there is strong warnings against backsliding in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But of course we know in the Old Testament it's mainly dealing with the nation, the nation of Israel. And so we really need to be concerned about our nation because our nation, America, has really turned its back on the way that our forefounders intended for our nation to be. And uh, so God will uh, put up with things until the iniquity cup is full, as it says, and then he'll really bring the judgment. So we need revival, definitely. And they needed revival in Ezekiel's day. Okay, now we go to Ezekiel 18, 1 through 9 to see again the principle of individual responsibility. Uh, Larry, do you have that? I do. All right. Ezekiel 18, 1 through 9. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. If a man is righteous and does what is just and right, if he does not eat upon the mountain or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman in her time of menstrual impurity, does not oppress anyone but restores to the debtor his pledge, commits no robbery, gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment, does not lend at interest or take any profit, withholds his hands from injustice, executes true justice between man and man, walks in my statutes and keeps my rules by acting faithfully. He is righteous. He shall surely live, declares the Lord God. All right. So it's talking about individual responsibility and that that proverb, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and now the children are reaping what they did. Uh, in a way that's true that, you know, you're, you are influenced by what your parents do, but we're not uh, responsible for what they have done. And so that's why he said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And uh, so this is emphasized by Ezekiel, the fact that, that uh, each person has a responsibility for God because all of us will give an account before God ourselves. And uh, so uh, it goes on 
to mention the fact that if he beget a son that is a robber or shedder of the blood and that doeth the like to any one of these things and doeth not any of those things, but even hath eaten upon the mountains and defiled his neighbor's wife, and so forth, it says, he shall surely die, and his blood shall be upon him. Again, the individual is what he's talking about. And uh, so anyway, uh, he says in the 17th, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father, and but he will live if... Uh, he follows the Lord or does what's right. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed or spoiled his brother by violence, he shall die in his iniquity. And again, like I said, it's talking about individual responsibility. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. He repeats again in the 20th verse. And the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the of the son and uh, then he goes back to what he said in the third chapter about if a if a sinner repents God will forget all his sins that he had done forgiven but if he's righteous and goes back into sin God will forget the righteousness that he has done so he was showing the balance there and how that God is fair Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that, that you have provided salvation for all and help us in obeying what you would have us to say to our neighbors and to those that we come in contact that will be led of your spirit and, and that the spirit of God will deal with their hearts and help them to turn to you, Lord, and we thank you for it and be with the service to follow, anoint every part of it, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hear all that noise out there. God bless you.